again in the evening it's time to relax all effort to shift from the doing into the being just being here Appreciating that this moment happens by itself. Just relaxing into this soft piece of the evening where everything quiets down. satisfaction and contentment of having a life a day well spent There's nothing left to do, just this, just here.
then in the space in front of you manifests spontaneously Prajnaparamita, the great mother, sitting in a lotus. The lotus is symbolizing that seva and wisdom grows from the mud in the world, from the mud in your life, from the challenging in your life, from the challenges in your life. That's where the lotus grows from. Seva and wisdom grows from the struggles and the pain. Without mud, no lotus. And in that lotus sits the unification of Seva and wisdom. Great Mother Prashnaparamita, golden in color. With a loving gaze and a loving smile. With courage and confidence. best as you can, you, you relax into the compassionate presence, allowing it to pervade your whole body, every cell of your body, from the toes to the top of your head. And you ask her to shine into your darkest places. With her is the presence of your masters, teachers, male and female, Buddhist and non-Buddhist. But she also carries, carries the text, uh, the Prajnaparamita text, symbolizing all the teachings, all the wisdom you have received through different sources and books in videos and teachings from people.
although for a moment you relate to her as the other, she's actually like a mirror, mirroring back. truth of your being. For For a moment you can experience whatever you experience right now as expression of the Great Mother. The voice you hear, the birds, the breeze, the earth, your thoughts, the breath, your feelings, It's all the Great Mother. wisdom, Prashna Paramita. Then when we recite the mantra, you just continue to stay in your body. relaxing, softening into the energy of the Prashna Paramita. Bye.
radiant and blissful bathing you in her bliss and then dissolving into that bliss which fills your heart your heart opens like a flower of Tseva and wisdom fills your chest and your whole body and then pouring out through the pores of your body into all directions and you are Prashnaparamita sitting in a lotus you are the goddess light and sisters, cousins, uncle and aunts, to our friends and colleagues, to our customers, bathing them in Seba.
practice how relationship can change when you shift to the view of Prajnaparamita, to the view of Tseva, to the view of wisdom. What does it mean to bring more tseva, more wisdom into the difficult areas of your life, into your past, into your presence, into your future? What happens if you prioritize tseva, like Prajnaparamita does? like the Great Mother does. And whatever positive energy, whatever merits we have, given birth to today through the practice of the eight Mayana precepts and reflecting on emptiness, reflecting on seva, staying with our experience. <coughs> whatever inspiration arose, whatever positive energy arose, we dedicate to the people we are connected with, which is everyone. be happy. May all the beings feel safe. The close ones and the far ones, the weak ones and the strong ones, the big ones and the small ones, the seen and the unseen, May all beings be happy. May all beings feel safe. May all beings come home. May people look after each other.
So tonight I would like to invoke the presence of another teacher. And this is uh, uh, Teach Nathan, the <coughs> Zen master, Teach Nathan. I guess most of you uh, have read or watched the video or maybe have been in Plum Village. Maybe. Is there someone here who has been there? You? Ah, you. Okay. Nobody else. Okay. Um, I've met him a few times. Uh, so, uh, definitely he's one of the important uh, teachers, in, uh, Dharma teachers in the West, very influential. Uh, so, I don't want to read something about his life. Uh, so, I choose um, the, the story of a, of a woman who describes her experiences uh, during a retreat. Uh, so, she, she's attending the retreat, uh, which Thich Nhat Hanh is, in, is leading in the United States. So, she's attending this retreat. And <laughs> She, she describes her experiences in this, in this story. And um, it's a quite long thing, so I can't read the whole thing. So in the beginning of the story, she describes you know, the day and uh, the place and you know, the people who are attending and the rhythm of the day. And uh, I, I mean, so you, you have an idea of a rhythm of a retreat because you are in a retreat, so it's, all, it's, it's quite similar. Yeah? Also this mixture between talk and meditation, and they also do a lot of walking meditation, they are in silence, and they emphasize a lot the, <coughs> the, the mindfulness in activities. So they have this practice which is called the mindfulness spell, so that throughout the day, uh, throughout lunch break, and when people prepare the meal, uh, sometimes someone strikes a bell, and that's called the mindfulness spell. So in that moment, everyone pauses, and you connect with the body, and you connect with the breath, like you have a moment of mindfulness. And then, then you continue. I just have a, a personal story, a little funny story uh, popped up in my mind because um, um, Plum Village was not that far away from the monastery where I lived in south of France. So sometimes some monks uh, from, from our monastery would go there uh, to join the retreats. And... Um, so this story... Uh, shows a bit the difference between the Tibetan tradition and the kind of mindfulness-based, we do everything slow tradition. <laughs> so, uh, one of the kind of practices there is um, uh, doing the dishes. Yeah? So, like mindfully, mindful, mindfully doing the dishes. And uh, Teach Nathan has this um, instruction where he says uh, you do the dishes as if you are bathing the baby Buddha. Yeah? So, 
for my turn, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 and then the Nalanda monk, you know. Come on, hurry up, I don't have time the whole day. <laughs> That's the students of Lama Sopa, you know. It's better to run around the stupa. Because, you know, <laughs> don't, don't, you know. Come on, you know. The funny. So. And then uh, there's one session uh, where the participants, they are asked to um, invoke the presence of their parents. Yeah? So this is like, uh, it appears quite often in the in Tichnatan's uh, teachings, it's like this idea of ancestors. Yeah? It comes from, from also from, from his culture, from... So it's a big thing you know, to honor the ancestors. So, so it's 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 a, it's a recurring theme in his teachings. So I want to start to read the story uh, after this woman. She got she she got she gets this instruction. A memory pops up in into her mind. So and I want to start the story there. Over breakfast. When I was 11, I asked my dad if he believed in ghosts. See this coffee pot, he said, holding it up, holding it up in the morning light. I believe in this coffee pot because I can see it. I don't believe in what I can't see. I bit into a corner of toast with jam. So you think that when we die, that's it? Mm. Not at all, he said. We live on through our children. I squinted at my father, still in his bathrobe, and decided that living on through our children was just a fancy schmancy way of saying that when you are dead, you are dead. <laughs> this was no frills belief. I couldn't... This was a no-frills belief I couldn't share, because I believed in most everything else. Heaven and God, reincarnation and astral planes, ghosts, astrology and psychic powers. With its many mysterious layers, my 11-year-old world was both thrilling and terrifying. Attics held, held untold possibilities. I slept with blankets over my head. I went to fortune, fortune tellers, be it palm readings, tea leaves, tea leaves or tarot cards. Richie, middle-aged woman in slippers, predicted great things for me. <laughs> what they never predicted was doubt. Yet after I left Eleven behind, after years had gone by, my beliefs came to look more and more like dads. Pragmatic. Evidence-based. I was my father's daughter. So back to the hall, Tich Nathan speaks. You cannot take your father out of you. You cannot take your mother out of you. Tich Nathan says, says, says doing a Dharma talk in the war memorial gym. 
You are a continuation of your father. You are a continuation of your mother. In fact, your father is both inside and outside. The father inside is younger and you carry the inside father into the future. Tich Nathan, known affectionately as Thai, is up on the stage, along with pots of orchids. This, the first part of his talk, is dedicated to the children who are on the retreat and they are sitting on the floor directly in front of the stage. I am on the floor too, but farther back and behind me there are people on chairs. Bring a grain of corn home, plant it in a small pot and remember to water it every day, Tishnatan says. Then, when the grain of corn has become a young plant of corn, of two or three leaves, ask the plant this question. My dear little plant of corn, do you remember the time when you were a tiny seed? Thai's smile is wide, is wide as he gives the children these instructions, and this gets everyone else smiling too, both children and adults. If you listen very carefully, you can hear the answer, he says. The young plant of corn will say something like, Me? A tiny seed? I don't believe it. A brown-robed Zen master cracking a silly joke. This gets people giggling. The young plant of corn has been there for only two weeks, says Thai. But it has already forgotten that it was a seed, a tiny seed of corn. So you have to help the plant to remember. Tell it something like this. My dear little plant of corn, it's me who planted the grain of corn in this pot and who has watered it every day. You came from that seed. Maybe in the beginning the plant doesn't believe you. But be patient, and it will accept that it was once a seed. I'm already familiar with Tisnatan's grain of corn teaching. I have read it in his books, but it sounds fresh right now. He is delivering it as if he is, as as if he has never delivered it before, and I'm hearing it that way. Thai says that practitioners of meditation can see the grain of corn when they look at the plant. Meditation allows them to do this. So maybe it is this retreat with this meditation and mindfulness practices which is allowing me to see more layers and live differently. Lots of little things feel different since the retreat started. Last night, for instance, When I went back to my dorm, I unwrapped the vegan chocolate peanut butter brownie that I had been too filled to eat at lunch. Good lesson. Always bring your <laughs> vegan chocolate peanut butter brownie to retreat. <laughs> Important. Yeah, always have a secret stash of chocolate in your baggage. You never know. And, and coffee. Because in some retreats they don't offer coffee. So bring your own coffee.
I sat on my bed and, and just ate, concentrating on the soft, sweet frosting, the chewy nuttiness. Back in the non-retreat world, I never just eat. I'm in a too much of a hurry to eat for that. I read at the same time while else I talk or tidy the kitchen. This slowed down life feels a lot better. It tastes better too. The grain of corn has not died, Tai continues. You can no longer see the grain of corn, but you know that it has not died. If it had died, there would be no plant of corn. You cannot take the grain of corn out of the plant of corn. We are the continuation of our father and our mother. Like the plant of corn is the continuation of the seed of corn, Tai told the children. In the beginning, every one of us, of us was much smaller even than the seed of corn. But we don't remember. So we, so we need a friend in the Dharma to remind us that we were once this very tiny seed in our mother's womb, half of the seed from our father and the other half from our mother. Your father is in every cell of your body. Your mother is in every cell of your body. So when your father dies, he doesn't really die. He lives on in you, and you bring him into the future. In October 2008, so now back to the memory. In October 2008, I had just fallen asleep at my grandmother's house when my aunt Peggy shook me awake. No, I said, sitting bolt upright. Yes, she said, quick. I was already dressed, so I threw off, off the covers and ran down the dark stairs after her. But I didn't understand if yes, why this rush? Wasn't it over? Didn't death look like falling into sleep? I imagined the transition being like a kite disappearing into the sky. The kite would go higher and higher, deeper and deeper into dreams. Then the cord tying it to earth would release. All the kite colors peacefully swallowed up in the blue. But no kites, no open sky. In the TV room turned hospice, my father was gasping, struggling to find air for his body swollen with cancer. There were five women gathered on and around his hospital bed. Me and my two aunts, my grandmother, and my father's third wife. And each of us were shouting last-minute messages to him. <laughs> <laughs> Let go, Stephen, my aunt Valerie urged, making it sound like push in an interview. <laughs> there is nothing to worry about here. The gas got further and further apart and his eyes glazed. Aunt Peggy checked his pulse. He's gone, she said. It wasn't yet dawn. We had hours before the people from the funeral home, funeral home would, come with, would come with their black bag. So I stayed sitting on the hospital bed, between the wall and my father's slowing going cold. I wanted to sob, but, but held back, because I didn't want to make this more painful for my grandmother or, this, or the others. 
My grandmother, I was pretty sure, also wanted to sob, but held back for me and the others. Maybe this is how families always support each other. Individuals keeping themselves glued together for the benefit of all. I talked quietly with cousins, aunts and uncles. The people from the home will be here in half an hour, my aunt Peggy finally said, and my heart contracted. Sobbing I could do later, alone. What could only happen now was wedging myself into the crook of my father's arm. I tried to pull his elbow to the side, and it was like ice water in my face when I realized I couldn't. He'd gone stiff. Still, I crawled between his arms and his chest, that small rigid space, just as it was, and there I breathed for both of us, following the breath. This was a rare moment in my life. I had my father all to myself for half an hour. Back to the hall. Some young people are angry with their father, Tichnatan says. They cannot talk to their father, there's hate. Then Tai tells us in his soft, accented voice about a young man he once knew who was so angry at his father that he wanted nothing to do with him. The children, with their tiny bare feet, are still in the gymnasium turned Dharma Hall with the adults, and I'm surprised by how quiet and attentive they are. Sitting by one of the loudspeakers is Alison, my retreat roommate, her hand on her baby round belly. If you look deeply into the young man, continues Tai, you will see that his father is fully present in every cell of his body and he cannot take his father out of him. So when you get angry with your father, you get angry with yourself. Suppose the plant of corn got angry at the grain of corn. I've never been like the young man that Tai knew. My father and I were always on good terms, but, so I never told him this, I touched the <coughs> seeds of anger in me when he got sick. <coughs> my father left when I was four. One day my mother and I came home and there was a note on the kitchen table. There was also a plate with sandwich crusts on it, the leftovers of the lunch she had eaten before get, getting on a plane to Calgary, a faraway city where a woman was waiting for him. I didn't see my father for two years. After that, I saw him for a couple of weeks every summer when I visited him and his new family. The nanny would feed me and my half-siblings dinner, and then I would get sent to bed at the same time as them. They were seven and nine years younger than I, so bedtime would come when I was still light and I had stared at the ceiling, sleepless. Later, after Dad and his second wife starting, started having problems, he stopped buying me plane tickets to Calgary. He visited instead and we played Trivial pers Pursuit and he took me out to practice my driving. I didn't feel, though, that he really came to see me. He stayed at his mother's place and spent most of the time drinking wine and moonshine with his siblings and cousins. 
As I grew up, I inherited my father's skepticism, but not the other pillar of his philosophy, the belief that we continue through our children. With a gulf so wide between us, I couldn't see myself as a continuation of him. Of course, I wasn't denying biology. I understood that 50% of my genetic information came from him, but so what? Genetics could explain my, my cleft chin, not who I was. After all, my father had another three children with his second wife and one more with his third. And all of us, progenie, were uniquely ourselves. One of my half-sisters was so angry with dad that she refused to have contact with him. According to Thai, if we are angry with our father or mother, We have to breathe in and out and find re reconciliation. This is the only path to happiness. And if we can live a happy, beautiful life, our father and mother in us will be more beautiful also. During sitting meditation, says Thai, I'd like to talk to my father inside. One day I told him, Daddy, we have succeeded. That morning when I practiced, I felt I was so free, so, so light. I did not have any desire, any craving. I wanted to share that with my father, so I talked to my father inside. Daddy, we are free. I also talked talk to my mother, continues Tai, because I know that my mother was not had because I know that my mother has not really died. She continues on in me. When I practice walking meditation in India with a group of few thousand people on the largest boulevard of New Delhi, I invited my mother to walk with me. I said, Mommy, let's walk together. Use my feet, but also yours. My feet are the continuation of your feet. So mother and son... We enjoyed walking in New Delhi. I invited also my father to walk with me. Then later on, I invited my brother and my grandmother and the Buddha and my teacher. The walk was so wonderful. The university gym has a blue glow, blue floor, blue seats in the bleachers, close blue curtains filtering the morning light. Thai has a glow too. A warm smile. When we make a happy step, all our anxious ancestors, all our ancestors, enjoy walking and making happy steps, he says. If you walk in the king kingdom of God, all of them walk in the kingdom of God. If you walk in hell, in despair and anger and hate, your ancestors have to join you. Let us choose to walk in the kingdom of God, in the pure land of the Buddha. Before the son or daughter manifests, you cannot call the father a father, Tai explains. Of whom would he be the father? In other words, my father and I inter-are. We all inter-are. 
I used to believe that my father had no excuse for his behavior, his chronic infidelities, his willingness to jump chip. After all, his own father, Buddy, wasn't like that. This is a sentence which I I don't remember that I read it here. It's not now really connected, but somehow, somehow it sticked with me. So just uh, just I read it. So after after all, his own father Buddy wasn't like that. Perhaps Buddy had never heard of Reverend Theodore Hesburgh, the longtime president of Notre Dame. Yet he lived. Hesburgh's well-known quote, the most important thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. The awakening, the awakening, the heart retreat is helping me to look more deeply into things, to, to see the rain and the flower of the piece of paper, to see that my father was a product of many causes and conditions. Like me, like all of us, my father was wounded. I don't know the source of his suffering, and maybe I never will, but I understand suffering. My father was trying to fill himself up with busyness, women, and booze. No one does that unless they hurt. If Tichnatan is right and my father is indeed in me, then I can heal his wounds. When I heal my wounds, it heals his, and it heals the wounds of future generation. With my suffering transformed, I won't pass it along. The cycle stops. Touching the earth is the last activity of the evening. So afterwards, I fall into noble silence along with the other retreatants, and I file out of the gym. It's a special feeling to walk without words with hundreds of people. Like sounds take on new texture. There's the sound of feet on hard concrete, then the sound of feet on softer earth, rustling through grass. Thich has taught us to do walking meditation at a normal clip. In this way, we can do it always, anywhere. Inhale, I take three steps, exhale, five. Inhale, exhale. The trees tower darkly above me, and a weeping silver lining gives off off his perfume. Roots, branches, leaves. I feel my connection to these trees. The way that they take in my breath and the breath of all of us, and then give it back to us as oxygen. I feel connected to the other retreatants too, united in our practice, in our inhalations and exhalations. And I feel connected to my father. I have a debt to him, a debt for this life. 
I used to believe my father left me twice. Once to be with his second wife and once to die. But he didn't leave at all. Ties right. My father is walking with me now. that can uh, invoke all kinds of memories and feelings that story <coughs> so just let it be as it is including the anger if there's anger So today is the last day of the precepts, so tomorrow we will have breakfast. So we start at quarter past seven and it's our last day already. Um, the beginning of the retreat was a slightly different, the ending will be slightly different also. Uh, so because I have to leave uh, uh, early in the morning so um, we will have one session before breakfast and a short, a short meditation session on Saturday and then I will leave so you have the morning for cleaning up and you know, going swimming uh, and, then, and then you can uh, then you can pack and you have one lunch together and then, and then you leave so just uh, enjoy the morning so but tomorrow we still have the whole day uh, here so it's good to keep the silence yeah? uh, so we will lift the silence in the lunch break tomorrow after eating but then we will go uh, into silence again for the evening so I, 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 I ask you to observe the silence for for tomorrow also uh, it's maybe a bit strange because you know the energy loses and uh, is loosening and you start maybe to think about the time after the retreat and there's more energy so but uh, it's good also uh, to be with that in a quiet way and not follow the urge to need to share something difficult or something happy but to kind of be with it and explore it and use it for uh, connecting with seva and for connecting with wisdom.